Good evening. Good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service on this very warm but beautiful Lord's Day. So, this evening I want us to consider something. Our faith. Consider our faith and the, the examples that, that we have been shown in God's Word and all the instructions that we have been given according to our faith to know that we can be justified by our faith and by grace we have been saved through faith. We're going to get into those verses, so, but we're going to start this evening, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin at the definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 has been known about the, uh, the, the, the chapter of faith, or the examples of great faith in the Bible. There's one that's not in there in chapter 11, and it's the centurion's faith. Do you remember the centurion's faith whenever he came into contact with Jesus Christ? Of course, he had a, a, he had a daughter, and she was deathly ill, and the centurion was worried about her. And so the centurion comes to Christ, and he could, wasn't able to bring his daughter. The centurion wasn't able to bring his daughter to Jesus Christ, but he had enough faith to say that all he had to do was speak the words. So all he had to do was speak the words, and everybody else, let me touch him. Let, let, me, let, it, let him touch the, the, the sick. Let him touch the lame. Let, they just needed to touch him. This centurion had great faith. And what did Christ say? He says, No greater faith than the house of Israel than I found in this centurion. That says a lot about a man's faith. And we have, what a wonderful example for us today. So we see here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance or assurance of of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that are seen was made of things unseen. And that was God. That was the Godhead. And honestly, it was the three parts of the Godhead. And you read that, we find that out in, in the Gospel of John in the first three verses. But we're not going to go that far back. I know how we like to back up here at Booth Chapel, especially in our Bible class, but we're going to move forward. Our faith. We need to look at our faith. We, we was encouraged this morning to look into that mirror. To look into that mirror and take a, a self-examination of ourselves, which we should do daily. As we measure ourselves up, as we consider our faith and what we believe in. Well, we're going to read in John chapter 3. We're going to read in that, and we're going to read, and we're going to notice verse 16. I know everybody says, oh, John 3, 16. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a significant word in there. Uh, believing in something is believing in Christ. But to believe. We see here in Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance or assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, the word evidence. Let's, let's look at this in a, in a real world example of a worldly, or a worldly example of the here and now. So you had done so, you've been accused of something and there's evidence that shows that you've done it. And you're trying to prove without a shadow of a doubt that you did not do that, but the evidence shows you did. Well, most likely they're going to prove you guilty because the evidence shows you did it. Evidence is proof. Evidence is something that proves something. Well, 
Can I prove that God exists? I sure can. Can I go out there in the world and try to disprove God exists? Oh, I can try, but I'll prove Him every time. My, my example is the human brain. That's, that's my example of a, of a God existing. You know how our brain works? Chemicals and electrical impulses. And of course, the matter that it exists of. And it works. We get muscle movement. We get memory. We're able to talk. We're able to function. We're able to learn. We're able to go out there in the world and function. Our brain allows us to do that. A human being can't do that. A human being can't create something like that. They've tried and they can't make it happen. God did it. He does it daily. As a newborn child is born. Or that child is consumed and created in the womb. And I stress that point from a whole different lesson of abortion. I don't like that word. I don't like that word at all. The reason why I don't like that word is because you're murdering a child. Period. It's not abortion. It's murder. Let's, let's be real. The world says it's not. I mean, it is. In God's eyes, it is. We need to take notice of that because what was Jesus called? What was John the Baptist called in the womb? A child. What is that little child run a person i just gave it away what is that little person running around jesus as he's teaching his disciples he takes that little child and he says this child you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you become like this child it's the same word i, I figured i'd get off topic on that but i don't I just, like i said i don't like that word abortion at all of course that's for a whole nother lesson and of course here at booth chapel we don't have that problem we believe that that word shouldn't even exist. And it shouldn't. Now faith is the a substance or assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We made a focus this morning on hope. As a, as a child of God having hope. Hope in everlasting life. Hope in the promise that God has bestowed unto those who are faithful. We have that hope through His Word because it's been written unto us. It's been written there for our instructions, for our learning, for our obedience. And as we are obedient to it, we can have that hope. John writes in 1 John 5.13, he assures us that we can know that we have salvation waiting for us. If we believe in Christ, there's that word in again, we're going to look at that again. And that we may continue to believe in, there's that word again, Jesus Christ. But we can know we have salvation. And that's what our faith is. That's the definition of our faith. Now there are many different types of faith. You might look at me and say, oh, there's, there's different types of faith. Well, there are. Unfortunately, there are. There's a living faith in which we should have. There's a dead faith. There is a vain faith. There is a blind faith. There's faith in other things other than God. Remember Jesus' temptation to Jesus to, to Satan. When Satan came and uh, the Spirit carried Jesus to be tempted of the tempter, that being Satan, 
And he tempted him. What did Jesus say about him falling down and worshiping him? What did he say? He said, only God, my Father in heaven, shall I worship. In other words, he told Satan, I ain't worshiping you. I am not worshiping you because you were made from God. That being Satan. You might think about that, sis. You know, he was. Satan was made through the person who him, whom he was tempted. You might say, well, we'll back the truck up. Nope. Turn with me to 1 John. Not 1 John. John chapter 1, the gospel. <clears throat> the word all. What does the word all mean? It means everything. All means everything. The things we see, the things that we don't see. All things. The gospel of John, chapter 1, actually in the first three verses. The top of there is the first five, but we can stop at the third. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, the Word all, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. That includes the devil. You might think, what? Yes, all things were made through Christ. The things that we see, the world, the, the air that we breathe, the things that we can't see, the, the heavens, all three. Remember the three, the three heavens? Three heavens, clarify. I want you to clarify. I'm going to clarify. The, the three heavens are atmosphere, the stars in the heavens, that being the planets, the stars, space, and the place where God dwells. The place that we have faith in, according to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Our faith. Now, I want to ask you what type of faith you actually have. Do you have the type of faith that disproves everything that's against God? Do you have the faith that says, I'm going to be obedient to God? Oh, what a lovely faith that is. And that's the living faith that we're going to talk about tonight. That living faith that promotes us, that motivates us, that encourages us to be faithful to God. Because we have enough faith that says God will save us on judgment day. What an astound statement. What a wonderful thought. To say that the being that created everything in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and the first three verses, of course, like I said, that topic there was the first five verses, the one that made everything through his son, because the word there in John 1.1 1, 1 is Christ. To know that being will save us if we're faithful. If we hold up to a living faith, an active living faith. So now we understand what faith is. Well, what, what does my faith do for me? What does, what, what's, what's this belief going to get me? It's not getting you anything. It doesn't avail you anything if it's not actively working in your life. But a free gift has been promised if you have faith. And I understand that James chapter 2 is going to fall in at the end of this lesson. And if you wasn't thinking that, we need to talk. <laughs> James chapter 2 speaks of a dead faith. But like I said, we're going to talk about that live faith, that living faith, that active living faith. Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there with me. The Ephesians chapter 2. 
And we're going to read verse 8, and then we're going to back up and begin in the first verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's why I said it doesn't avail you anything. It's a gift. It's freely given from God if you're obedient. I didn't, it does not say not of yourselves. It does not say that you can't get yourself into heaven. Christ also says that in, in uh, John 15 when he speaks of the true vine. When you try to remove yourself from him, you are gathered together to be burned because those branches are not providing fruit. We read verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That, are you telling me I can be dead? Ah, what the writer of Ephesians is saying. He is saying that... Uh, Paul read Ephesians. I was thinking Hebrews. Paul is writing and he says this. You were once dead and now alive because you were dead in trespasses and sins. Did you notice something? There's a lot of folks out there in the world who think they're saved. I ran into one of those very recently. He thought he was living a Christian life and his voice did not say so. Dead in trespasses and sin. Once, previous, uh, previous to baptism, previous to immersion for the remission of your sins, you was once dead in trespasses and sins. But now, through your faith, through your obedience to the gospel, he has made you alive in verse 1. Those, those trespasses and sins in verse 2. And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Do you know who that person is? A being. He's actually a being. A being in verse 2. That's Satan. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And you think that's God? Something's wrong. Because God does not work through the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience should be expecting the wrath of God. Not the love of God. Or the blessings or this gift that we're talking about in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's God's grace that saves us. It's that gift extended to those who are faithful. If we are that word faithful. And uh, moving on to verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You and I once were children of wrath. One, at one point in our lives, until that point where we receive instructions from God, point of accountability that, that says that I know what I'm doing is wrong in the eyes of God and I need to make a change. That's the age of accountability. That happens differently. It might happen at age 12. It might happen at age 20, even maybe even 30 at that worst case scenario. Age of accountability is hit. You realize what you have done is wrong and you're wrong against God and you're dead in your sins. You are immersed. You're washing those sins away after you have repented, after you have 
of course, believed, and of course, after you have heard the word, not in those orders, and then confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and of course, immersed, washing your sins away. That's how we put Christ on. That's how we get into the church. That's how they did it in the first century. And that's how we do it unto this day. We make no alterations to that. We make no change because we can't alter God's plan. We once walked with Satan. Huh? You mean once we were? Yes. Myself included. We all walked with Satan because once we realized we were dead in our trespasses. We realized we had sin in our hearts and we needed a way to get rid of it. Men and brethren, what shall we do to get rid of this, this sin? This horrible iniquity. Does that sound familiar? Acts chapter 2. What does Paul tell those Israelites or those Jews? What did he tell them? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the... Uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the gift of the Holy Spirit will be given unto you, and the promises to you, your children, and those who are afar off. That afar off is you and I. Isn't that wonderful? To know that we can have the faith that says we will be saved on Judgment Day, and I can prove it. Remember proof? Or oh, what was the word? I just lost it. Let me go back to Hebrews real quick. I just lost evidence. I don't have to go back. Evidence, Jeremy. Evidence. Because we have been proven without a shadow of doubt what we need is God in our lives, and we keep that by our faith. That active faith. That faith that shows the community, those folks you come in contact with, that you are Christ. Or you are wearing Christ in your heart. And they can see him abiding in you. And you in him. But once, like I said, verse 2 and 3, once walking with Satan, filling the lust of the flesh and the mind, and were by children of wrath just as the others. But thankfully... We made a change. We're no longer that sinning person or actively sinning. I didn't say we're not sinners anymore. I will never say that because we are sinners. We sin just as much as the world does. But thankfully, we're going to get into the idea of getting our sins remitted even after baptism. And many of us in here know that, but some may not listening to this. So whenever we think of being a child of wrath, Let's not be that person anymore. Let's turn away from our iniquities. Let's turn our hearts back to God because as a child we once was with God. Notice it says by nature. We're by nature children of wrath. If you immerse a person in a good household, they tend to come out in a good person. That being good, a Christian home. You immerse a child in a Christian home, they're going to get those values. They're going to know what they need to do. That's not saying they're going to be forced to do it. But by nature, they, are, they come from a Christian home. By nature, they are a child of God. Until they're immersed and they become a child of God. That's their nature. You immerse a child in a sinful home. And folks, it crawls my skin to hear this. To hear a child blaspheme God. They don't know no better. That's their nature. That's what they've been raised up in. That's what they're around. That's our nature. That didn't come from God. That acts that we do, 
that's displeasing to God. It didn't come from God. It came from Satan. I just hung my head and shook. Much like those folks walking by Christ's cross as he's being crucified for your sins and they're, they, the Bible says they're wagging their head. They're shaking it. Saying, truly, if he, was, if, if he were the Son of God, he would, he would just bring himself off, off that cross. Well, he was doing that for your sins. He knew he had to do it. He was doing it for the sins who were shaking their head at him. Truly, this ain't the Son of God. If he were, he'd be coming off that cross. We was once a child of wrath because of our nature. Now we've immersed ourselves in something different as a child of God. We have immersed ourselves in Christ. We have immersed ourselves in Jesus Christ, and we can do that. My mind goes right back to the example I used this morning, the parable of the unclean spirit returning. If that person would have filled his heart with God, if he would have stuck his nose into the Word, into God's instructions, that unclean spirit would have never returned. He never would have returned back to his sinful state because he knows what it could, he knew what it would have costed him. His salvation. His souls. Remember, a child of wrath is ex- a child of disobedience is expecting the wrath of God or should be. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, don't get me wrong. This verse has been taken out of context so much. I can just believe. I can just believe and God's going to save me. Well, that's part of it. That's a, it's a big part of believing in God's Word. So whenever we see verse 4, we talk about God and His mercy. So if God has enough mercy to save the entire world, even those who were spitting in the face of the Son of God, slapping Him in the face, crucifying Him, ridiculing Him, mocking Him, all those things that our Lord suffered before His death. Our God has enough mercy to save everybody. Does He not? He does. And if you don't believe that, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 5. Y'all thought I was going to say 6, didn't you? (laughs) Romans chapter 5, which actually echoes into chapter 6. But chapter 5 of Romans. Right there at the end of it. Verse 19 and following. Right there to the end of the chapter. That was Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, that was Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous, future tense. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But notice this, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Wait a minute, this word grace is back over here in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, is it not? For, For by grace... You have been saved in verse 5. This is the same grace that we're talking about here. So as sin reigned, sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, 
Even so, grace might, O-M-I-G-H-T, reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of important words there in verse 21 of Romans chapter 5. A lot of important words, and so many miss the meaning. Let's look at it very carefully. And we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. So that as sin reigned in death, abiding in death, uh, participating in sin, dead in sin, being disobedient to God continuously, even so, even so those things were happening, grace might, what's the word might mean? It means choice in people's minds. So it requires action on our part. It certainly does. Might reign through righteousness. The word through means to go through something. You came in through the doors. When you enter into your home, you go through the, the, the door. You don't go through the window, hopefully not. Even if you did, you still went through. You got to go through something to get into your home. Hopefully you ain't, ain't, ain't the wall ain't wide open. Or, or most of us have doors and windows in our homes. But that representation of through you got to go through something. Might reign through righteousness. Well, let's look at the word righteousness. Doing right in the eyes of God is the best way I can describe righteousness in the short time that I have allowed. Or allowed, I could speak all night. And just folks start single filing out. <laughs> so we think about through righteousness to eternal life. Revelation 2.10, right? Being faithful unto death. It means there, there, is a, there is a time allowed for our service here upon this earth. It's when we breathe our last. To eternal life and the word through again, Jesus Christ our Lord. Can we save ourselves? I see some no's and I see some puzzled looks on the faces of them saying, of course we can't save ourselves. We need some help. We need, we need a help meet in that, in that typical area. Do you know who that help comes from? It comes from Jesus Christ. And that's it. What did Christ teach? He says, for no one comes to the Father except through me or, or by me. We can't get to God without him. We can't get to heaven without him. We got to have that faith in him. In the absence of that faith, we have become children of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2, back again. So we see this grace that God has extended to us in verse 5. We see that same We see that sin reigning in the world, but God has more grace than that sin. And of course, Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, well, let's just help God out by sinning more. Paul says, certainly not. That's, that's a no-brainer. We can't do that. We need to be obedient unto him. We need to be have that faith in our lives that says, I want to be obedient to God because I want that eternal home with him. I want to partaking of his promise. I want to be saved by his grace. So like I said, if you read just if you have just verse 5 and took it completely out of context, verse 5 says, well, all I gotta do is believe. That's all I've got to do is, is believe. I'll tell you somebody else who believes, or another being that believes. Satan believes that Jesus exists. The demons believe that Jesus exists. There's a lot of folks in the world that believes Jesus exists. Of course, I understand there's a lot of folks who do not. And what a sad day they have coming. 
to hear those horrible, horrible words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Let's make sure that's not us. Let's make sure we have the faith actively working in our lives to say, Christ is Lord, He's the Son of God, and I want Him in my hearts, and I'm going to be actively working in my life so I can be saved on that great day. By grace, you have been saved. Future tense, have been saved. All right, uh, verse 6, carrying on. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us to sit in the heavenly places. Do you know what that is? It's the church. The church. The thing that is designed to train folks how to be obedient to God. The things have been set aside. The thing that Christ created for those who are obedient to him to worship God in an in a, uh, approving manner. Is what we're here doing to, it's what we're here doing tonight. It's what we did this morning and the Sunday before that and the Sunday before that and hopefully the Sunday before that and so forth. So how important is our worship service to God? Have you ever considered that? How important is our worship service to God? I'm going to say it's exceedingly important. How about the absence of it? Well, that's going to be sad. That's sad because you had an opportunity to worship the person who created everything, and you didn't. And it happens so much. As we sit here in these heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, the word in is there again, okay? So what happened to, what happened? What, what had to happen for us to be in Christ? Baptism, folks. I will say it, and I will continue to say it. Baptism. Is baptism essential for salvation? It most assuredly is. Without it, you can't wash your sins away. You can't enter into the church. You can't come to Christ. You can't come to God with sin in your heart because that separation is there in Isaiah 59 too. I will continue to stress it. Baptism is essential for your salvation. And of course, that's not the end of anything. That is the beginning of your spiritual walk. And verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We read that scripture this morning, Colossians 3, verse 4, by when Christ shows up, who is our life? Let's make sure whenever he comes, when he, his, his second arrival, when he comes to reclaim those who are his, let's make sure we look like Christ, having the faith that Christ had to his Father. Do we have that tonight? Because if we do, if Christ shows up, whenever Christ comes back, folks, he's coming. We don't know when. When he is our life, when we look like him, then we will also appear with him in glory. That's Colossians 3 and verse 4. We see this here, that the exceeding riches of his grace, folks, that's heaven. That's the place where Christ is right now. That he might show us. And in the ages to come, he might show us. That means action on our part. Of course, like I said, I can continue talking because we see the, the, the it's like a layered cake. Once you slice one off, there's more below. Or like an onion, if you will. You pull one off, there's, there's just more till you get to the, the heart of it, the middle of it. And I don't have enough time. <laughs> so we think about being a faithful child of God. We see a, a glimpse of heaven right here in verse 7. We see God's grace extended to us today. 
How about his exceeding riches of his grace? To see him just as he is, that being Christ, and then go on to see God himself. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I can't think of anything more wonderful. That should motivate us to be faithful. That should motivate us to have the faith that will save us on judgment day. So I said, verse 5 has been taken out of context, and we just read verse 7. Let's read verse 8 one more time. That's why I read it at the beginning before we covered verses 1 through 8. For by grace you have been saved uh, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what must I do to be saved? Hear the word, believe the word, that is God's word, his instruction. Repent of your sins. Turn away from them and have nothing to do with Satan anymore because we once walked with Satan. Something had to happen. This is the gospel called if you have not been immersed or baptized for the remission of sins. Hearing the word, believing the word, confessing or repenting of your sins, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the Son of God and died for your sins and be immersed or baptized, I mean completely submerged, not sprinkling, not splashed, because that's not burying. Immersed, completely submerged, washing your sins away, raising up a new creature, a, 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 a Christian, a child of God, someone that has hope, someone that has love, someone who has faith, a living faith. And then the hard part, the sixth part. A lot of folks stop at that fifth, that fifth one, baptism. We learn from Revelations 2 and 10 that there's more to it. Be ye faithful unto death. Uh, many of us have walked a few steps after our baptism. Some of us have taken that short walk with Satan. Some of us have fallen short. Some of us have taken sin on. And many of us have repented from those sins and gotten forgiveness, and what a blessing that is to have that opportunity. And that's extended tonight. Take another step, or do not take another step in your life being lost, whether it be needing to be baptized for the remission of sins or getting forgiveness for the sins after becoming a child of God. Confessing that sin, turning away from it, confessing that sin, and asking God to forgive you. And He will forgive you. He will. So does that need to happen tonight? I encourage you so much. Come back to God. Become that faithful child of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. What's your faith telling you tonight? Is your faith telling you, I may be lost. Let's make that change. Being lost to found. Like the old prodigal son. The old father said, For my son was once dead... Now he's alive. Do you need to be made alive tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand as we sing the song of invitation?